recording button. Um, I'm excited for what what am I watching today? <laughs> it's it's a classic. Like, yeah. And um, what uh, what what do you happen to be drinking today, my fine sir? Water? Yep, uh, flavored water. So nice. it's uh, one of the little squirty things is strawberry watermelon. Ooh, good, good, good. I am also drinking flavored water. Excellent. Um, I am drinking Suntory Whiskey Toki flavored water. Yeah. From the house of Suntory Whiskey established in 1923. Very nice. Cheers. I bought it for my birthday and um, my birthday is almost a week old now and I have yet to drink any of it. So I decided today is a day we begin in earnest. So <laughs> cheers to that. But hello. Hello. This is Aaron. Who else do we have on the phone today? Who is it? I, it's this is Max. It's Max, isn't it? Max, we're going to have a good day today. I'm really excited. <laughs> is that you talking or the whiskey? Um, I've only had one drink. I've, that's <laughs> it. So it can't be the whiskey talking. Um, it could be that I'm looking at my favorite action figure as a child mm. on screen right now. Ooh, that's pretty yeah, exciting. It is exciting. We're going to get to that in a second. Hold on. This is Infinite Pulp, by the way. Welcome, um, everybody. Yeah, not to be associated with... Um, any other kind of pulp, only infinite. Not orange juice pulp. Oh my gosh, that is actually part of the reason this is named infinite pulp is because of orange juice pulp. I happen to very much so love orange juice pulp. Yeah, well, that's because you're a monster. You don't like pulp? I I like some pulp. I'm not okay. one of those people who likes more pulp. I, I I certainly do not like extra pulp. Most pulp. I like. I buy those simply oranges that just says most pulp on it, and you look <laughs> at it, and the bottom third of the. Uh, Orange juice is just pulp. And you're like, yeah, this is exactly what I want. And you shake that bad boy up and you get a nice, like, foamy top to it. That's uh, great. Um, it also, I found out, is the best uh, drinking mimosa is when you're using heavy, heavy pulp orange juice. That's with, true. With uh, champagne. It's actually incredible because it subdues the bubbles a little bit and it brings mm -hmm. out the flavor of the champagne a lot more. Mm -hmm. It's great. So what we've been doing is just buying really cheap champagne and expensive orange juice. And it tastes better than expensive champagne and cheap orange juice. So. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, that's that's what I've that's your drinking lesson for today. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Anyway, see you next week. Bye. Yep. See you later. <laughs> I actually have stuff for you that I wanted to talk about. Um, but first, just how's your quarantine going, man? Mine is Oregon starting to come a little bit to the end. How's North Carolina doing? Uh, we've Not entered phase two. So like bars okay. and restaurants are starting to reopen and stuff um, what, at like 50 percent capacity. And today is May 28th, by the way. So and this is going to come out probably mid-June or so. Um, so just so you know, like we're recording this as of May 28th. Yeah. Not not real time. Yeah. And it's OK. I mean, honestly, it's OK. Um, but I am still like really anxious about going outside. I'm one of those people who's like, I don't want to do it. I'm not ready. I don't want to go to the bars. I don't want to go to the restaurants because I am pretty convinced that there will be a second wave of illnesses. And mm -hmm. if this were any sort of disease that doesn't just like murder you, I would be cool with it. Yeah. But for me, man, it's we are in phase one. Hopefully, I think they're aiming for phase two on June 12th. From what I saw, I'm not sure. Actually, um, I was just kind of looking it in today, but I haven't got a good grasp of, of where our phases are at right now. I know every county but like three have opened up bars and restaurants. Mm -hmm. um, the three counties that haven't are just uh, the big Portland urban counties. But um, I'm kind of with you on that. 
So we're going to play What Am I Watching? And um, it's a fun game. I'm watching something right now. Max gets to try to guess what it is. Five questions, two guesses, two clues. He only gets 30 seconds to do all of those. And um, we can change the rules whenever we want to. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a movie. Is it live action? No, it is not. Is it a part of a series? It. Mm, that's a good question. It is. It is a movie that has a series with the same title, but this particular movie is not part of that series. What? <laughs> yep. Nope. That's exactly what it is. There is a series of movies that that's exist fine. based so around the I'm same property. Sure I'm pretty sure it's Batman. So, is what what? What kind of question or guess is this? That's a great question. Um, is it Batman? <laughs> it's a um, question. That's a question. It is not Batman. Okay. Give me a hint. Um, it is... Um, okay. Okay. Leonard Nimoy. Judd Nelson. And... I'm trying to pick other... The other ones, they do voice acting in this movie, and so do, oh, that one's going to give it away. Hold on. There are two voice actors for the same character that gets changed halfway through. And the second half character is Leonard Nimoy, who is the voice actor for it. I have no idea what that means. That's one of the yeah. strangest sentences I've ever heard. And I'm sure like when when I hear it, it will make sense. But it right will. now I am I am a very confused <laughs> the, Max. The issue with this movie is that the clues would be so obvious that you'd get it right away. So I'm trying to figure out. Got it. Yeah. Trying to, trying to be a little like, bit more subtle. Yeah. About I'm trying to kind of figure out where to go with all this one. OK. Um, so that was the first clue. Yeah, and I gave you a clue earlier today without... You did. It was... You did. And for the people who didn't hear, in case it gets edited out, um, it was your favorite action figure growing up. Yes. Yeah? It absolutely was my favorite action figure growing up. And, okay. um Yeah, I loved it. I played with it all the time. And um, I actually bought one in college so I could set it on my desk. And... Um, Oh, here's a clue. My favorite action movie, action, action movie. That's not the clue, but hence my favorite action figure is in this movie, but does not show up for the first five of the movies at five. No, first four movies in the series that takes place after. So he's the main character of this movie, arguably. You could argue that he's not, but he he kind of is. He's the main protagonist, you could argue. But he doesn't show up in all of the other movies until the fifth one. And even showing up in the fifth one, they got his character all wrong. I doubt you've seen that movie. I have only seen three or three quarters of it because I cannot get through it. Is it a superhero movie? They are They are superheroes to humans, but they are not superheroes it's very similar to the turtles they are superheroes but they're not technically superheroes yeah but like we would have no power against them they would win a war absolutely against us 100% of the time is it x-men no it's not x-men i haven't okay. been keeping track of anything yet so that's, that's my first guest i've asked four questions okay um you should 
you should lean some some previous questions that you used to ask like um when it came out that that's usually good, or like you know yeah it was um but i've got one question and okay. one clue left mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to go ahead and ask you to give me two more clues instead of asking one last question. And then I'll make my final guess. That is a good, good question or good. That's a good thing. Okay, hold on. I need to think about this for a second. Your favorite characters of this franchise were royally screwed over in that fifth movie that was over the fourth movie, actually that this took place and they were the most garbage form of those creatures on earth. Um, that's clue. Number one clue. Number two, um, is that there have been several adaptations of this in a TV form, even continuing going on right now. It's still a TV show that goes on. But there is a particularly special one in the early 90s that everybody loves about this that um, was one of the first computer generated, like, like not fully, but like partly computer generated cartoons. I think it was the early 90s. Maybe it was the mid 90s. Are you watching Transformers Beast Wars? I'm not. But that was such a. I'm watching that's, Transformers. That's the, the movie. best I can do. The original movie? Yeah. Oh, man. That's that's traumatic, man, with Unicron and stuff. It is. So yeah. there are so many clues, like Orson Welles' voice is the main villain. Like, that would have given it away. Yeah. And, like, so Gal- so Megatron turns into Galvatron halfway through the movie. Yep. And it goes from Frank Welker to, to Leonard Nemo. It's just one. I love this movie. It's awesome. Yeah. All right. What am I watching? Where are you? There you go. And in the Eastern Conference Finals, Aaron takes the lead. 10 to 7. Rough. I know. So brutal. Yeah. So, um, video games. Yeah. Did you know, did you play any of the Transformers video games? Yes, I played Fall of Cybertron. Oh, I heard that one was very good. It was super good, man. I really enjoyed it. It was very sort of cartoony, high action. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was very true to the original series. You could transform back and forth with the push of a button. It was great. I liked it a lot. Um, I played uh, Transformers. I think it was Devastation. Mm-hmm. It was the cell shaded one that Platinum Games did. Everyone was giving it a like eight five to a nine, maybe like an eight, but they were giving it good reviews. Oh, this is the most tragic part. Hot Rod, you you messed up big time, man. Um, yeah, they just kill them off in that movie. They're just yeah, like the, so. The best part about the movie, right. it's not the best part. The most dramatic part about this was is that. Um, for those that aren't like into the like animated cartoons of the eighties and the toy lines, like cartoons in the eighties and the early nineties, and even now are made to sell toys essentially. Yep. So the transformers were made to sell toys by the time. So the transformers TV show, I think was 84. was the initial, this was 86. So that's about two years. So what they did is they decided to kill Optimus prime and all of the main characters from like the, the like ultra Magnus dies, Optimus prime dies, 
Megatron dies and comes becomes a Scalvatron. And why? Because they wanted to sell new toys. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually love the movie and I think it's awesome. I think it's appreciated way more now than it was when it came out. Because yeah. people hated it when it came out because they killed Optimus. Yeah. Understandably. But they just immediately just ignored that in the TV show. I think they went like... 10 episodes without him and then just put him back in for yeah. some like other, you know, cause you have, I mean, it's Optimus. Like yeah. he's just, uh, it's good. You know, um, that was the moment though, that I realized I didn't like platinum games, uh, as a studio and a developer is because platinum games have really good stylized action, but the intent of the game is, is about four to five hours to beat it with a single character. If that, and then you just keep on trying to do it over and over and over again. They're, they're action games, which I, I didn't realize that genre, but they're stylized action games like a Devil May Cry and those kind of things. So your goal of the game is not necessarily to beat it, it's to get the highest score on each mission, which I really have no interest in that kind of stuff. I was hoping to get like a really cool, like interesting like story about, and then you just get big arena battles with bosses that take, gosh, like, 40 minutes to beat because of our, like if you try to play them on hard without like having a proper level character, like you just can't do it. Mm-hmm. So I just have no interest in those games except for near automata that, that, that one, that one sunk into me um, a lot. So <laughs> that was great. I may even go back and play that more. Um, but so today I wanted to talk about video games a little bit, not necessarily so much. Um, we've done some topics in the past as far as top five, top 10, top 100. We haven't done that one yet, but, you know, we can dream. And uh, I want so I'm not going to just gonna do top 10 video games. That list is definitely coming and we're definitely uh, going to jump on that bandwagon soon. But for right now, I kind of want to go down the route of kind of what we did with music a little bit before we get into our series about music and like episodes about like specific albums that we want to talk about is. Um, I mean, first. I would obviously want to do, let's do um, what, you know, I want to do what your, your journey is a little bit, how you love video games, and then really what what you, like what they are to you, and then I'm going to talk about the same one, and then I really want to ask um, whether video games are art, and whether or not, and what kind of art they are, and then like the, like the interesting differences that like video games presents themselves with versus like other types of forms and media and entertainment. Okay. Does that sound good? to cover, man. Yeah, we got to get going. I know. We're 17 minutes into this. We still have an hour left, so I think we can do it. Um, First off, though, I want to ask you, do you play games in the native language the game is made in or, like, was supposed to be in or in English at all times? Like, If they have subtitles offered, if English subtitles are available, I will usually play it in the first language because I think it's way more interesting and more fun. Um, But a lot of times those games don't have English subtitle options. Right. And so what happens is if you choose a local locality for the game, (laughs) it will change all the menus to that language. And I did that for The Witcher 3. And I don't I don't speak. uh, What is it? Czech? Polish. Polish. I don't speak Polish. So, uh, yeah, I I wound up having to just uninstall and reinstall it because (laughs) I like I clicked exit and couldn't get back to the settings because it was like three or four menus deep. Yeah. Different options. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty, pretty rough. 
I think everybody's had that challenge before, at least once in video games where you, <laughs> you, you look in, you accidentally change the setting of language. You're like, oh, this isn't going to do anything. This isn't yeah. actually going to change it until it, it's going to give me one more warning. Right. Yeah. And then it just changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. I haven't never actually played games in any other language but English, but I never really thought about it until I was watching a YouTube video and somebody presented it to me. And I was like, yeah, we, we definitely should. I should be doing that. So when I go through Neo, finally, I'm going to play it in Japanese because I feel yes. like you really can't Absolutely. not play Neo in Japanese. Yeah. You know, um, are you playing anything right now? Um, not currently on my t- I'm playing Final Fantasy 14 online. And then mm-hmm. my uh, to do list, I managed to catch Monster Hunter on sale for like 20 bucks. So I'm planning Wait. to do that at some point here. Where did you get that on sale on Steam? This is like three. This is like a week and a half, two weeks ago. Oh, okay. Well, I am going to do some research later because I still don't have a web camera. So my keyboard that I have in front of me is not connected to my computer screen I'm looking at. (laughs) So I cannot type things and look at stuff right now. But when I can, I'm going to see if it's still on sale because that's a game that, um, you know, I'm just going to add it to my wish list. And when it becomes 20 bucks again, I'm going to get it. Yeah. Because I want to play it on my PC. And uh, that means we could run around and hunt monsters together. That would be a blast. Which would be absolute blast. Yep. Yep. I'm doing it. We're going to do it. I'm going to play some Sea of Thieves today with a friend that I'm getting yeah, really excited. That's in, coming to Steam, into. by the way. <sighs> I'm really excited. I, 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 I got to be honest with you, man. I looked it up last night and I was just like, can I gift Max Sea of Thieves right now? Yeah. I was like trying to gift it to you on Steam. It's like, oh, it's coming soon. I'll wait. Yeah. I'll wait. Yeah. 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 Um, can, is crossplay available? Like, if you if you get it on Steam, do you know if you can play with people on Xbox, Xbox? Marketplace? I don't know, actually. Yeah, I don't either. So that's um, that's something we'll have to pay attention that's to. That's a good question. Well, if it's not, we'll figure it out. Anyway. Yeah. We'll play Monster we'll Cross Hunter. that bridge when we come to it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, cool. Yeah. Um, I haven't really been playing much. I've been getting into uh, Control a little bit. Which mm-hmm. is a um, paranormal kind of X Files y first uh, third person shooter kind of game. So it's pretty cool. It's fun. The gun you don't have any. You have one gun. You just get different kind of uh, mods for it. So you can change it, change the weapon, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. There's no active reload button, so the it just reloads when you run out of ammo um, automatically, or if you stop shooting, it'll regenerate. Mm-hmm. But they give you um, telekinetic abilities. So while you're my process has been shoot, 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 telekinetic abilities until I reload and then shoot, 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 and kind of just alternate between those two. Um, it's fun. The melee button's kind of like a push button. It's the ARD, um, if you will. Mm-hmm. Of, and so, uh, which was my favorite. I like the ARD sign and The Witcher 2, 3, 4, all of them. Um, did you have a favorite sign in The Witcher 3? That you um, used a lot? Quinn, honestly, because I was playing oh, on, on yeah. the Nightmare difficulty setting. No, you're right. Quinn meant I didn't get one shot by everything in the first half nope. of the game. You're absolutely right. Quinn, Quinn is the one that's my favorite. <laughs> it's the only one that I would max out and keep active and make sure like I yeah. have everything exactly that I wanted to. Um, I love the art sign, too. Those two are my bread and butter. You yeah. know, just kind of push people down and, <clears throat> and just yeah. push them down, and you know. Just um, go to town. Yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can easily, once you max it out, you can just knock enemies over and then, like, yeah. stab them. And it's not even a fight. It's wonderful. Yeah. When I was learning sword play, I really appreciated Igni because when enemies mm-hmm. are on fire, they aren't just standing there guarding and parrying everything yeah. you throw at them. So it helped me to kind of learn my combos and stuff like that. Yeah. 
Ooh. A little bit of water in that whiskey brightens it a little bit, opens it up a lot. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Um, so, man, take me through your video game journey. I think we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but... Um, Oh, before you do that, man, guess what I got for my birthday? What? My partner gave it to me. I'm going to go ahead and guess an original Nintendo. No, but that is such a good guess because I got an original Super Nintendo, (laughs) which just makes me so happy. I have never had a Super Nintendo in my entire life. And it's the one console that I've always wanted. And it's the one console that I have the most um, lack of knowledge about. Because my friend had a Super Nintendo and a Sega. We always played Sega together, not a Super Nintendo. And my other friend had Super Nintendo, but we would always play Super Mario World um, and uh, Turtles Tournament Fighter or Street Fighter or something else. It was always co-op games. So mm-hmm. he tried to show me Secret of Mana once and I just wasn't interested. And I'm just kicking myself in the head to that right now because I'm like, I could have played Secret of Mana with a friend, which was what it was yeah. meant like to, to be done. Yeah, it when was, I was like eight. Yep. Like, yeah. So um, she gave me a Super Nintendo, a off-market controller, a um, original controller, the power cable, and Super Mario World. She's like, I know I have more games. I just don't know where they're at. So that I am going to be purchasing beautiful. a few games. Turtles in Time. Yes. Ob- I have to get it. That's my very first game I ever beat co-op with somebody. So I like, mm-hmm. have to get that one. Chrono Trigger. Yes. Um, which I've never is like 80 bucks now. You're it's, lucky if you can find it for like 80 to $80. It's I usually selling for like a hundred. I know I am well aware. I have Chrono Trigger for steam right now as well. Um, but the possibility of playing it on a super Nintendo just makes me just really, really excited. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I don't think I can play it on steam when I have a super Nintendo now. <laughs> um, and then I want to get all three donkey Kong country games. Nice. And Secret of Mana. Those are really the only ones that I'm looking at right now. Um, That's a those are, start, though. That'll keep you busy for a long time. Yeah. Donkey Kong Country is my favorite platformer, I think. Um, and it's the music is what it is. Yes. Like, I like absolutely. Mario. I think Mario's a better platformer than Donkey Kong Country. I don't like the floatiness that Donkey Kong brings. Um, I like yeah. the precision of, of Mario. It almost sometimes feels like you're on the ice level, but a very small degree yeah. of the ice world. When you're ever you're playing Donkey Kong. And so um, the music, though, is incredible. That water level music is still, I think, yep. one of the finest pieces of video game music ever written. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. It, it is one spectacular. Of my, one of my favorite um, mixtapes from a um, from an artist where he did a bunch of compilations of different rap and different kinds of music and hip hop and stuff. He added the uh, Donkey Kong water music at the very beginning of his mixtape and led into like a nice like mellow rap. It was amazing. It's so good. I'm sorry. I'm monopolizing the question I just asked you. No, it's <laughs> what fine. Do, what do video games mean to you? And um, talk to me about how you started getting involved. Yeah, so it, I got involved at the neighbor level first. So a guy down the street had Nintendo, right? And we didn't have any games. I didn't have a Game Boy. He just had a regular Nintendo with Duck Hunt and Super Mario Brothers. And I fell in love, like playing Duck Hunt, like pointing a gun at a screen and shooting and it worked. I was like, this is all the games I play by myself that I'm imagining, except it's right here in front of me. This is crazy. Um, And so I would go down to his house like three or four days a week um, and annoy the crap out of him to be able to play. And so for Christmas that year, and he was our babysitter and I think I was pushing him away. And so I think (laughs) in part to keep the babysitter around so my parents could have, you know, a healthy adult life. 
they got us a Super Nintendo for Christmas. And so that was, there was Super Mario World was what I had and Donkey Kong Country. And that was down the rabbit hole after that. Like it was so fun. And then I, I met a buddy, a, a friend of mine, uh, a friend of my brother's, my my younger brother, he was two years younger than me. One of his friends had a Game Boy. And so one day after school, when we were hanging out with him, I was like, you know, when are you going to get a console? And it's like, I, you know, we don't have one, but I have this. And he showed me his Game Boy and it had Pokemon on it, Pokemon Red. And I was like, I love that game so much that I would start a new file every week when we when his mom would pick us up from work. because wow. My mom was at work. So I would just play like the first 30 to 40 minutes of Pokemon every week. And I was so happy and I loved it so much. So after that, that was that was sort of the beginning, right? That was mm-hmm. when I really sort of knew that this was something I loved. Um, what sold me on it as a storytelling medium and what really sold me on it in terms of the expansiveness of it was Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. So it, I had a friend who had a PlayStation and I didn't have one yet. And we, you know, when we went abroad for my dad to do a sabbatical back in 2000 and... Um, by that point, I did have a Game Boy, so I was on Pokemon basically the whole trip. But this friend had a PlayStation, and I played both Tekken 2 and Driver and Final Fantasy 7. And like the, the open world experience of Driver, where you could just get in a car and drive around a city, I was yeah. like, this is insane. And then Final Fantasy 7, where you're like exploring this world with this incredible music and battle system, it was like all the things I wanted. And that really convinced me that video games were something that I was passionate about. And so I did that. And Final Fantasy was was basically my my love. I fell in love with RPGs, Japanese RPGs because of it. And then RPGs and then like, you know, story games and all that stuff. So that's that's really where it's, it's all born from for me was was that sort of rapid fire succession of experiences that kind of pulled me into that world. <sighs> that's beautiful, man. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I, I do not regret it. And I've never looked back. <laughs> it's so fun. Um, what are your opinions? Before I get into mine, I would like to ask you a couple questions about Final sure. Fantasy VII. And I know you and I have talked about this before, but I think it's itching at me even more now. Yeah. I have never played Final Fantasy VII. Um, and now we have a remake out that has we the do. first section, Midgar, of Final Fantasy VII. Um, though they have changed a few things about it, it's still essentially... It's Final Fantasy VII. Do you really do you think I should just start with the remake? Do you think I should wait until the remake has all of the completed stories out? Should I go back to the beginning? Oh, here's the thing. I think at some point you should play the original because okay. I think it's super fun. And I think when you play the new one, I think it's important to remember that it is not the original, right? And I right. think that's where people get tripped up is people are like, it's the game. And it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's a very different game. They added in a bunch of side quests. They added mm-hmm. in a bunch of different story elements. Like They've- the combat system is very different. And therefore the pacing is very different. There is something profoundly unsettling So in old Japanese RPGs, your character would wander around the screen and enemies, because they didn't have the resources on these tiny cartridges, um, enemies wouldn't show up and you had what were called random battles. So you'd be wandering around a dungeon, hoping not to encounter any monsters while you're injured and like fighting your way through, Mm -hmm. right? And that to me was one of the overwhelming components of both fear and anxiety and like thrill was the notion that like, can I make it, right? 
and you you could you could train to get stronger and try to make it and like do all that stuff and at the end of it like it only mattered that you could beat it and and in these newer games you can see the enemies and so it's not mm-hmm. quite as exciting a lot of the battles are scripted and they happen at like set moments throughout the story so that part for me is a little bit harder but as long as you as long as you play it knowing like a lot of this is the same there is some overlap but it's not the original then go for it you know yeah. I, I'm, I'm not one of those people who's like you have to play the original before you play the new one I used to be um, and I definitely think you owe it to yourself to play the original at some point. I do too. But right now, I don't think it's that big a deal. I, th- I, I do too. I, I actually, I was looking up some old, old Final Fantasy games. Like I really kind of, I really want to get six. Um, mm-hmm. And I really want to get three as well. Yeah. Six uh, is phenomenal. Four is also really good. Yeah. I've heard six and four are incredible. Yeah, so, they are. Um, Final Fantasy Remake to me is really interesting. It is the... It's the. It looks the way I always imagined Final Fantasy VII looking. Yeah, you know, because like they present that amazing art on the cover, and then you get into a polygonal game, and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. Um, but I think you're right. I think I do owe it to myself to go back. I th- you can get the original on Switch for like ten bucks, I think, or fifteen bucks right now. Yeah. Um. So I, I should probably absolutely go in and do it. Yeah. Because um, I don't think I'm going to play the remake until I mean I'm, it's I'm in, at least not going to play it until it pops into um Xbox. I'm going to wait until it comes out for the Series X or the PS5. Like there's yeah. I'm not going to play it on this or unless <laughs> it comes out on PC, then I'll play it on PC. <laughs> yeah. The games that are coming out this year are beautiful enough that and like I don't need to know what they're going to be like. I can wait for the new console or just get them on PC next year. You know, like. At this point, I've got to the I've gotten to the point where I don't have to like get games right away unless they are like my multiplayer games. Like I will right. be playing Halo Five right away because my friends play Halo, 5, you know. So like mm-hmm. I want to get in on that. Um, I thank you for that. By the way, I I, I really wanted to I. I trust your opinion more than just some random person here on the internet to like understand what you think I should do for the game. So yeah, I think I, it, I, I think you're going to have a great experience. However you choose to approach it. I do too. Um, so I got to finish my first JRPG Octopath Traveler. Still haven't done that yet. So yeah. when I finish that one, I'll let you know. And you've been working on it for two years, which like off passively, right? Like in the background, but Very it gives passively. you a sense of the like, scale of these games. Like games these days are, you know, sort of 10 to 20 hours usually. Right. And most JRPGs last anywhere from 60 to 110, right. 120. Yep. I am almost halfway done with the game and I'm at 38 hours, I think right now. Um, I'm at the point where my current party, I can complete every single person's story right now. Yeah. Um, and then I just need to switch to the other party and complete all their stories, too. I really like the game. I love it. I'm just like happy just kind of playing it passively, picking it up every once in a while. Like it's not something that's hooked me, but it's something I really enjoy. It's almost kind of like I pick it up for five, six, seven hours every like few months. It's like a new TV show coming out to me. You know, I play through four stories and I'm good and I can. I'll see them again, you know? It's fun. Um, but I do definitely want to get through Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah, it's great. Yep. I've heard too many things about it not to... I mean, it's up there with the like the reason I'm playing Chrono Trigger and Secret of Mana is because I haven't, and I've heard they're amazing. Um, and I do think my, my favorite genre is RPG, and I, I think it's important to um, kind of get a grasp of how things were built and why things were done. While you were talking, it, it rang and it hit on me that um dark souls still has random encounters even though you can see all the enemies 
Like they have done such a good job of hiding enemies. And it feels as, that way, yeah. The, and, the world feels lethal. Yeah, and they can like you can like step over a ledge and fall like at, you know, it's just like it it very much feels random, even though they're very specifically crafted. And I think that it is, is another yeah. Another reason yeah. why I love that game so much. And that, that goes into a lot of their level design, which mm-hmm. I think is one of the... And people people talk a lot about the difficulty and stuff, but their level design right. is some of the yeah. most incredible in gaming. Like, the, they'll, they'll, like, lure you in with, like, a glowing item, right? And then, like, an enemy will explode from a, a door mm-hmm. next to it or jump out from around the corner and, and try to kill you. And you know what that you. item is? Blood Moss. Yep. It's not anything else. It's going it's like, to be just blood moss. And it's blood moss is not useful. Which is just like a random herb. 90% <laughs> of the game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, you're poisoned? I may have to use some sort of moss, but like, man. It's not even the right one. Yeah. Um, it, I know. I know. I was just thinking that. Like, it's not even the right one for poison. <laughs> um, so, so that's what's amazing to me. And, and you can go through the entire games that way and like really appreciate like how they build those worlds. Yeah. Um, but but it's that the the scripted combat has actually been something that's really hard for me. And one of the reasons I'm really excited about next gen games as they continue to sort of evolve is the idea that like AI pathing gets bigger. Right. right. And so you start to get this world like Cyberpunk 2077 coming out. It's like later this year from the people who made the Witcher games, like they're gonna have they're gonna have so they're gonna have like this living, breathing world. Right. And it's just going to the scale is just going to be continuing to grow and the worlds are going to feel more and more immersive. And I think that's what's super exciting for me about all of it. The graphics are nice, but eventually you, you know, you reach the uh, uncanny valley where things looks will look as human as they possibly can. But we still know it's not human. Right. Um, And at that point, it's like, okay, now what else do we work on? And that's when you get to work on like AI pathing and world development and details and stuff like that. Nobody can see me right now, but I've just had an epiphany <laughs> and like, I'm sure Max can see the, the, like on my face, I can buy cyberpunk 2077 for my PC. Yes, you can. Which I didn't realize I could do until yes, just this moment, yes, which means yes, that um, I'm going to buy it today, probably <laughs> or soon. Um, because I wasn't, I was gonna wait until it came out and on Xbox Series X or the PS5. But I don't have to because I can get better results for my PC now. Yeah, I'm just gonna do that. Okay. What I may do is I may see if I can buy it on. I don't know if maybe I wonder if I could if I bought it on the Microsoft Store if it would be on both my Xbox and my my Windows. Uh, that's a good question. I that have no a good idea. Because that would be amazing. Because I would love to see the comparison between my PC and the next uh, series uh, Xbox. Yeah. Um, did you see that they have um, put up the pre-order page for the Xbox Series X as of yes, yesterday? I did. I'm very excited about that. I have them ready to email me <laughs> when they become available. <laughs> and I will be buying one for pre-order because I don't know if I'm going to be able to pick one up at the store when they come out. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. Um, and I want one and I have disposable income to do it. You know, welcome to your 30s. I turned 32 on Saturday and that's what that means. I can buy an Xbox now. You're an adult. Um, I first played video games on an Atari 2600. Wow. So my dad 
had an Atari 2600 for himself. Um, he has always been super into having the best technology. I remember we had a big 36 inch TV back in the early nineties when like 36 inch TVs were gigantic and it was a 36 inch, um, tube TV. So it was square. Like, so like the size of that thing, man, <laughs> was just so big. <laughs> um, and we took it back for some reason. I think the picture quality was really bad. So we went to a smaller TV. Um, I just remember us taking it back and being like, well, I wonder why we took that back. I should ask him about that sometime. Uh, my games, honestly, they started with a, the the Atari, which I think is awesome. Like for me, yeah. my first experience was playing um, Pong and Asteroids and Stampede Combat. Do you ever play Combat? Mm-mm. Combat are these tiny little tanks, and you both start out on each side of the screen, and it's it is you against the other person. Uh-huh. And whoever gets to 10 first wins. So every, it's like the very first multiplayer, not first, but like it is. I mean, it's a multiplayer game. It is deathmatch at its core. Um, <laughs> but you're these little tiny rectangles with little spouts coming out of them that shoot little dots. And um, my my brother and I, older brother and I, we play that all the time. And you could manipulate the uh, combat arena, but not your tank mm-hmm. so much. Your tank speed was usually always the same. Sometimes it would shoot three. Sometimes it would go ta ta ta. Sometimes you would go tat, tat. So you could manipulate that, but that was based purely on what level you chose. So some levels had walls that would bounce. Some levels would have invisible walls. So you could shoot through the wall and it would come out the other side like mm-hmm. Pac-Man. So we had all these really interesting things. And my brother and I, we, I'm on hours. We would just, and we'd switch and we'd play different. Like it was, we would just play for hours. And then um, we got a uh, regular Nintendo and um, we had it. And I, this is like got to be when I was like four or five, like because the regular Nintendo came out in 83 in Japan, I think maybe mm-hmm. 82. I don't think it hit the States until 85. And so I was born in 88. And so I think when I had it, it was really early 90s. Super Nintendo was already out in Japan, but it wasn't hadn't come over to the States yet. And the we played Super Mario Brothers 3. I remember playing Duck Hunts. We would play uh, Track. So I guess what I mean is, is this is what started me in games. It's like kind of always been part of my family, which has been weird because my parents don't do any gaming now. Um, and sometimes my mom asks me about gaming and I'm like, I don't really know how to answer because like I want to earnestly, you know, I know you're interested in my hobby and this is awesome. And I think that's great. But like telling you that like God of War won Game of the Year probably means nothing to you, you know? Right. So like, I just want to make sure, like, not make sure, but like, you know, like I'm, I'm very happy that they're interested in something that I love and have continued. And they're, they're the reason we, we have got, we had two separate Nintendo systems because my older brother and I would fight so much over it. Cause I was <laughs> very competitive and he was older than me by four years. So he was better at games than I was mm-hmm. and until my little brother came along and my little brother is better at video games than anybody else I know. And he can beat me in anything. And it's really wow. frustrating. Like, it's like I will sit down and play Madden for 300 hours and he'll pick it up and we'll have a competitive game. I'm like, man, come on. Like, <laughs> um, so I, he's just better at it than I am. And so I'm not great at video games. I just love them. Yeah. Um, but we fought so much. So we, we had it taken away for a year. We actually had our Nintendo grounded. We were grounded from playing Nintendo for a year. And then we uh, played six months later. We're like, hey, can we? And he, my brother, and I just got it out and started playing and they didn't stop us. 
And um, I still don't know if they, I mean, my parents aren't stupid. They knew that they were supposed to ground us for the whole year. I think they're like, ah, they've learned their lesson. They're fine. Yeah. Um, but that was and it. Did we, you behave yourselves after that? We did. We actually, after that, we were, I mean, the thing is that I was old enough. I had gone to anger management um, or therapy for a second. So I had like gotten my anger in control a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that like, I mean, honestly, that helped it a lot. Me just being angry <laughs> at yeah. things that I'm not anymore. Um, and so I remember playing Dr. Mario. My favorite Nintendo game, though, was uh, Battletoads, even though you could only play the first two and a half <laughs> levels. You um, should call GameStop and see if they still have it. They do. I'm sure. But you can only play the first two and a half levels because the third level is so freaking hard. You can't get past it. Um, <laughs> we had Contra, like all of them. Like, I don't know. Like, we got almost all the great Nintendo games. We even had Zelda and I never played it. Um, wow. Because I just I didn't like those kind of games. I didn't. I needed constant. I, my focus when I was younger was completely gameplay. Nothing to do with the story. Yeah. There was not a single. Ocarina of Time, I could never tell you once what that story was, but I could tell you I had a heck of a lot of fun playing it. I beat that game like four or five times. Um, I know the story now because every Zelda story is generally the same, but um, so we skipped over Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis and Game Boy. We actually didn't ever have any handhelds. Um, My dad (laughs) bought us the Game Gear for Christmas one year. So we didn't get the Game Boys. We got the Game Gear, um, which is Sega's gigantic battery, C-sized battery <laughs> draining game. Monstrosity. Monstrosity. It was like It beast. was like a PS Vita if a PS Vita had Shaq as a baby. Like, yeah. that is what <laughs> that Game Gear was. But... We played Sonic the Hedgehog 2 on it, Sonic the Hedgehog Triple Trouble, which is what got mm-hmm. me involved with how much I love Sonic, um, which by the way, everyone go see the new movie or rent it and see it, buy it. I don't know. The new Sonic movie is surprisingly great. It's like, cute. Yeah. It it's is pretty very cute. cute. Like it's OK. It's not great. It is great at what it's trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. Which you should go look at our episode quality, not controlled <clears> or something <throat> like that. Four or five episodes ago where Max and I argue whether or not popularity or critical critique makes something good or not. That's one of my favorite episodes, actually. And I still don't agree with you on it. Um, I think about that episode a lot, actually. Um, we're not going to get through what I want to get through today. We're going to have to have two parts for this, by the way. I'm looking at our recording yeah, right I now. I told you. I told we're at 45 you. minutes. a lot to cover. That's okay, though. Like, I'm okay with that because... Yeah. Yeah, the pulp has to be infinite, man. The pulp has to be infinite. Um, and I knew going into video games, it was going to be a big topic. I just didn't realize. Quite how big? Honestly, I had waited 15 episodes to talk about something that I've wanted to talk about since episode one. So, because hmm. um, I didn't want to just jump in and say, video games are great. Let's talk about it every episode, you know, mm. um, <laughs> even though we kind of do. We did, but then we, we did definitely managed to leave it around. We backed off for sure because. You're absolutely right. Not everybody plays games. Anyways, we skipped over the Super Nintendo because um, I'm not sure why we ended up going straight for the 64. Um, But I want to talk about Game Gear a little bit more because Game Gear had Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which was actually the original Sonic the Hedgehog 2. That game came Mm -hmm. out before the Sega Genesis Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Mm -hmm. Um, And nobody could get past the first level because that boss is maddeningly difficult. And then there is a level... (laughs) um, about five or six worlds later on that is pipe world essentially it's level seven from super mario but more difficult so all those different like (laughs) things that sonic turns into a ball and shoots through those different holes and pipes you just have like seven of them 
from the very first level and you're like, which one do I go in? And if you mm-hmm. get it wrong, it's just and I was seven. <laughs> and so, like, I didn't have the ability and mental capacity or, like, thought process. I may have been eight or nine, you know, but, like, I still wasn't ready for that. And my older brother, who was in his teens, he definitely – or maybe earlier than that. I don't know when the Genesis – or the Game Gear came out. I know we got it, like, pretty much when it came out. Um, He couldn't figure it out either. And my older brother is one of the smartest people I know. So, like, you know, it's just one of those things of, like – I don't know, man. I have such a great attack because Streets of Rage 2 was on there. And I remember playing Streets of Rage. I can't remember. I can't believe my parents let me buy a game named Streets of Rage. Yeah. Like knowing like my parents like and like the fact that they didn't let me buy Willennium, but let me buy Streets of Rage. (laughs) Um, But like Streets of Rage 2 is awesome. They just came out with Streets of Rage 4. They did. uh, And I have not played it yet, but I have it loaded up on my Xbox. I would love to play it with somebody, Um, but I got to figure out who. So maybe we'll stream that sometime. (laughs) Oh, speaking of streaming, uh, announcements coming later in the year or later in the episode. So, um, yeah, the Game Gear was awesome, though. We ended up having so much fun, especially Sonic the Hedgehog Triple Trouble, because it was a super unique Sonic. You got to play. I think it was one of the first times you got to play as Tails Um, and like it's just fun there was a snowboarding level like legitimately you snowboarded for like the entire level it was awesome Mm -hmm. um and so we skipped the super nintendo and sega genesis but my neighbor down the street my best friend as a child um he had super nintendo and genesis so i got to play vector man and earthworm gym and like all those fun weird crazy like genesis games um echo the dolphin and then Mm -hmm. we played secret of mana street fighter we played mortal Kombat a lot um and then one of my really good friends and my one of my parents' family friends, they uh, um, he had we were over their house all the time. And I'm going to talk about this one game that sticks out of my mind more than any other game I have ever played. And I don't know if you know what it is, but it's called Mendel's Palace. And I do not. It is a tile game where there are tiles on the floor, and the way you get through it is by flipping those tiles in a certain way or pattern. From what I remember, I was very young when I saw this, but I it took me a legitimately two or two and a half, three years of searching to find out what this game's name was, because I have never had more fun in a video game with somebody else than that game. Like, I don't know what it is, but that game is so much fun and we would play that so much. Um, we would play stuff like Gauntlet. Anyways, I'm rambling. That's not important. We went to Super Nintendo, um, didn't go Super Nintendo, 64, and obviously that's where my James Bond discussion came in um, with mm-hmm. GoldenEye. And um, my parents, or my mom specifically, didn't allow me to play GoldenEye, but we would play anyways, as all children do. Um, I played, I know, did you play a lot of GoldenEye? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We had a Nintendo 64. Yeah, that um, was just, yeah, it's what you did. When your friends came over, you yep. played GoldenEye. Like, yeah. It was so much, and nobody could be odd job. Was that one of your rules? One of our rules was nobody gets to pick odd job. Uh, it eventually became one, but it wasn't yeah. one initially because <laughs> obviously his hitbox was half as tall as everybody else's, and so it was always very difficult. Um, but I think part of the reason I got away with it was because we were going over to a friend's house to play it, right? Yeah. So I, fr- from the outset, it was like there was a social component to it. Yep. And then after my mom was gone, then we'd glue our faces to the TV. Oh, Absolutely. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what you do. Like, I was over to go to my friend's house and play Goldeneye because he had a 64 Goldeneye. And I was able to borrow Goldeneye from somebody else. And I had it for like months. I beat that game. I remember beating the game on the second hardest difficulty when like in the early, like late 90s. Mm-hmm. 
That was so much. That was my first first person. I mean, I mean, I didn't play Doom. I did play Chex Quest, which um, I don't know. Did you ever get to play Chex Quest? No. It is a Doom clone that is you got from a Chex cereal box. And let me tell you, it is amazing. My little, my older brother and I played that game like probably four or five times through, and it would have different secrets like Doom does, but it also has. Um, uh like the way you sh- like everybody is ooze like they're boogie monsters like they're booger monsters which doesn't make sense and you're this big piece of cereal like that's what you are like this squ- it's like spongebob almost yeah and it, they just came out with a uh Chex quest hd remake on steam by the way which you should absolutely play and i'm gonna be streaming i decided that i'm gonna stream that later <laughs> um anyways and so after our 64 and uh, my favorite game from 64 by the way was goldeneye for sure second was ocarina of time and then the one game that i've always wanted to play that never ever got to play was jet force gemini yep and um i have jet force gemini for my um xbox one i got it with a rare collection but uh i just never have gotten to it and i've always 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 wanted to play that game um but uh, then we really kind of took a step back a little bit. We jumped to the PS1, but we didn't really play mini PS1 games. We played Jet Moto a lot. Um, love Jet Moto. Oh, I know. my The game we played the most in 64 was Tony Hawk, for sure. Which, by the way, if you guys don't know, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 are being remade. Yeah, and coming because out they September. were such influential games that they shaped a generation. There's a documentary about it on Netflix. There is. Yeah, you should absolutely watch it. It's incredible. Um, and um, I love those games. I 100% Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 was the first game I 100%ed. Well, I 100%ed everything but one thing. Um, I could not figure out how to get four bills because you had to collect money in that game. And there's a secret bowl arena level at the very end after you complete the whole first part of the game. And then that level had $400 bills on the high wires above the stadium. I couldn't figure out how to get there. And I never got those. I beat every single else in the game and did not get that. Anyways, um, so it really was, um, we went to PC and and like both my older brother and I had a PC and we would play Jedi Knight. We would play Quake a lot against each other. We would do Quake and we'd have friends over for LAN parties and we would go to LAN parties. Um, and then the Xbox came out and Halo came out and that replaced our PC essentially. Um, I remember getting a summer job when I was 12 years old and it was where I ended up working for my dad. I made $360 the entire summer. And what did I do with that? I spent $300 on an original Xbox <laughs> and Halo. <laughs> and Halo was rated, I think, mature at the time. And I was 12 or 13. And I'm like, Mom, the blood is not red. It's green and blue. And they're aliens. I'm not shooting humans. I am protecting Earth. Like... I am noble here. I wasn't protecting it. Mom. <laughs> she actually let me play Halo, Mom. which was awesome. Like good for her. I love that my parents were like smart enough to be like, oh, just because it's mature doesn't mean that you can't watch. Like we know who you, like they knew who I was and was able, like, okay, this person can get this. Like yeah. I watched the Matrix the year it came out. I didn't go to the theaters. My parents yeah. were like, Yeah, you should definitely watch Matrix. Like, there's nothing in here that's necessarily bad that we don't want you to see. So you should, you know. Um, anyways. So uh yeah, that's kind of, you know, I had an Xbox. I played mainly sports games. I'm a huge, I love playing basketball. That's what I'm playing right now. I'm heavily, heavily into NBA 2K20 right now. I probably play four or five games a day. 
I'm not working right now. I'm unemployed, so I can like I have some Leave time to spend. Yeah, we're having a great time. I'm playing a franchise with my buddy, and we're like in year two, and we're just we're having a, such a fun time with it. Anyways, um, and then I hit college, and I purchased some snowboarding equipment. And I didn't purchase it. My mom bought me snowboarding equipment because I was really into snowboarding, or I thought I was. Snowboarding was one of the things that I thought I was into, but when it happened, I wasn't actually into it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, so. I sold all my Christmas star uh, snowboarding equipment and I purchased an Xbox 360 a couple years after it came out. <laughs> um, I'm sure my parents probably weren't happy about that, but I told them I'm going to get more use out of my Xbox than I will out of my three out of my snowboarding stuff. And I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it, I have told this before and I told this on our second episode, but and this is where I'm going to finish up because this is pretty much the end. That was the beginning of my gaming, right? My dad had an Atari, an NES, like so he just had stuff that we got to play. The really like Genesis, like if you really want to think about my love of video games and like what I, I, I listen to 40 hours of video game podcasts a week when I'm working. Like most of the time, uh, like I have like five or six different. I, it's just I just love I love the industry more than I like playing the game, you know. And so like, and I don't know if there's other folks that feel that way out there, but like, if I never played a video game again, I'd be okay with that. But if I was still able to have them exist and be a part of the industry, I'd still love that. Um, so that, that's really what kind of just makes me so happy about it. The mm-hmm. reason I have this love though is um and you can go back and listen to episode two i told the story about it so you don't have to listen to it now um it's because of mass effect though it was the first real rpg that i was able to finish and it just sucked me in it really did and i didn't have the attention span or the love of stories that i did when i was younger so mass effect came around and it was just the perfect combination of star wars and video games i mean really like this massive, massive space opera and something I love to do. Mm-hmm. And and I was mostly a um I mostly played sports games. Honestly, I got I played a lot of NCAA football, I played a lot of Madden, a lot of NBA. I, I just really like sports games a lot because I think sports games are unique in the sense that in video games, um, if you are in a combat situation, it's mostly the same all the time over and over again. In sports games, every single game is different. Yeah. Like, it's all playing basketball. I love basketball, but every single basketball game is different. So that, that like, ability to change it up, I think, is what really draws me to sports games a lot. Um, but it was, I mean, it was Mass Effect. And ever since Mass Effect, I've been just so hooked into the industry. And I've been, like, this is just my favorite thing to do. I love it so much. I got, And then it started getting me down the horror franchise where, like, I started playing Fear and then Dead Space and then got all, like, into that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And now we are at an hour, by the way. So I think I talked for 20 minutes by myself. So I'm going to stop for a little bit. It was quite the saga. Um, and so I don't think I'm going to cut any of it out either. I think I'm just going to let you guys listen to that. (laughs) Um, so I apologize if I've bored you (laughs) at all or anything of the ilk, but, um, that's kind of our, our, our beginning. Um, do you want to move into other topics now? <laughs> now that we can, uh, now that we have a past of what that means to us, really? Yeah, absolutely. Um, now that we have 15 minutes left. We're, we're trying to keep these, by the way, at around an hour and 15. 
for you guys because it gets a little bit a little bit long. Our theme park episode that released about a little bit ago was about an hour and a half. But you know, come yeah. on, it's theme parks. Um, so I Bite guess size. we touched on this a little bit, and and maybe we don't need to two part this depending on how large this conversation is. But like, what, like first, do you think video games classify as art? And then I absolutely do. Yeah, what? that's that's a quote, I think, by who was it's it? Ebert. It's um, Roger Ebert is Roger essentially Ebert. what it is. Yeah. And if he wasn't who he was, nobody would care. Um, right. And so his main argument, from what I remember, I was going to look this up and I'm sorry I did not beforehand. Um, but his main argument against it is art is generally something that is presented to you that you that it's you, non-participatory. Yes, is what he said. And so since video Which games are... Which is a whole lot of hogwash oh, because absolutely. watching anything is a participation. Yes, of it's course. It's the scientist's dilemma, right? Like any observed system is changed by the observation, right? And so it's like if you... Like theater, for example, is a great version of it. And one of the reasons I love theater is because every show you see, that's the only time that exact show happens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I had never thought about that before. Yep. But that's absolutely right. Um, I also think it's a bunch of hogwash. I got, and I, I ended up reading the whole, whole statement in the article. I was like, I can kind of see where you're coming from if you have that sort of mindset. But that really sh- like cuts you off from a lot of different things. You know, it's essentially what is this person presenting to me? Not necessarily what does this thing make me feel and how do I interact with it on an emotional level? Mm-hmm. Cause that's where I'm at with it. You know, like, um, I, I have, I have, I don't have friends, but I have people who I have one friend who, who challenged me with finding a video game that he liked. Cause he would not, he believed that all video games had some sort of inherent violence in them. Yeah. And then I, I said no, and he's about to, he's he's very seriously going to be buying a Switch soon. Um, it's just one of those things where, like, I sincerely believe, and and, and we can talk about this that if you're if you are open to it, if you're not open to it, I get it. But if you are open to the idea, I can probably find you a video game that you're going to like and you're going to enjoy playing. You may not yeah. want to play a hundred hour Mass Effect game, but you may want to play a couple rounds of Mario Kart, like. And so I think it's I and I think for me, yes, it is art. So go with what your original thought was. I'm is sorry. There I, a game that encompasses that for you? Like, is there a game that convinced you of that? Oh, that is a good, good question. Um, so the first game that came to my mind was Last of Us. Yep. But that necessarily wasn't the first game that probably encompassed that for me. That's just the one that I thought of right now. Um. Uh, but I, I do think Last of Us just it's just it, you know why Last of Us is amazing to me and why it really stuck out in my mind is because it took a genre that I don't care for and made me love. Yeah, I don't I don't really care for zombies and I don't really care for the that kind of style of things. Um, but the way they did the disease and the zo- and everything in that game. It's just awesome. Yeah, it's like, a great. It's an unbelievable story. It really is, and, and I think um, I, that's why I think video games to me at this point are so sacred. Is for myself is because the fact that um, I, the story is not being told to me. It, the story is being played out by my own actions, 
and it, it gives you a level of participation in something, an emotional feel. I don't cry at movies very much. I don't cry. I never cry in books. I have probably cried at the last like four or five games that I have finished <laughs> just because like when I'm done with them, I don't know. I just have this emotional feeling. It just feels like, man, I, like, I remember bawling over uh, Spider-Man. I don't know if you I'm not going to spoil the ending for anybody who hasn't played Spider-Man out there. But the most recent Spider-Man ending just got me real hard. And I just like was the first moment like, oh, man, this is like, yeah. I love that these feeling, things. That feeling exists after the completion of a lot of experiences. Books too are a good one. Um, TV series, right? Like if it's when it's over and it, yep. and it just hits right, yep. it's really magical. And it really absolutely, is. that is a shared experience. Many, many, many people have that experience. Yeah. What was the um, game that 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 did it for you? Shadow of the Colossus. Oh, dude, that's such a good example. Yeah. yeah. So, like, the story is very minimal. It's like you're a dude. You have to go kill the giant monsters terrorizing the land. And go and like your horse is you just like you're in this building and you have to mm-hmm. go find your horse and you get on the horse <sighs> and you take off across the plains and this music swells and it's just incredible. And it was beautiful. And like when when you're climbing on top of these giant monsters that are roaming around the world, like the camera angles and the music and all of that, it was like it was puzzle game, basically. But the way it worked and the way that happened was just sweepingly majestic and it really like that was the moment where i was like i get it like this this is this is an artistic experience yep and i mean there have been any number of them since and i think those moments don't just happen in video games either i mean you know i'll expand it out to the broader world like you know a night where you're sitting around with people you love drinking something you love eating something you love and like the listening to music or laughing and joking like there are these moments that crystallize into moments that's like Yep, I get it. And for me, that was the first experience of it in a game where that made sense. And then you play games like uh, Toe Jam and Earl, and it's like, this is not art, right? Like, uh, <laughs> what was what was that game for the Super Nintendo where you, you clay fight clay fighters? I think it was called. Um, it, was know, clay, it was claymation fighting game. It was absolutely ridiculous. Paying attention in the early episode, I have not owned a Super Nintendo, so I don't know what that game is. Yeah, you will look into it because it's amazing. Um, did you ever play the caveman game for the regular Nintendo? The no. NES? Oh my gosh. It was It's just like... So I don't know if, if, if you know what track and field is for the original Nintendo, but it used to be an arcade game as well. Essentially, it's it's DDR before DDR really, really existed in a wholly alternate form. But mm-hmm. I had a trackpad that I could like step on and you could like run and then jumping on it and coming down was like how you did hurdles. And like you could just we never really figured out triple jump very well, but we did figure out how to do the 100 meter dash and we could beat every single person in that game except for Cheetah which I think was broken. We even got our hands down there and went like as fast as we possibly could and could not beat Cheetah. So yeah, game game designers back then were out and out malicious. Like, well, you had to be, you had, cause you're con you're, you're what you were working with. Um, like you had to make the games where somebody could not sit down and beat them in two hours. Yeah. Like, cause games, those like, we they were designed s- for arcades, right? Most of them were designed to be right generating, yeah, 
Yeah, and then when, so arcades were the original video games and then you move into console gaming at home, the mindset that the developers had, because the same people that were making arcade games started to make the console games. And so that mindset carried over into the consoles. So like your the difference is you pay $80 for a Nintendo game and you spend 100 hours on Battletoads because you have to memorize the third level 400 times before you can finish it. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. still bitter about that, by the way. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no way. Uh, it, the uh, but like yeah. So I, I've lost where we were at in conversation, and we were talking about art. Um, oh, for yeah, for me it was Last of Us, and then obviously it was Mass Effect as well. It was when it kind of hit me that like, because I can still vividly, vividly remember the Mass Effect uh, theme. Like when you open up that menu page and it goes do 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 do. Like it's just like the, uh, it's so good. And just when you open up the map. To like figure out where you're gonna go next, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just wonderful. Um, but like, uh, yeah, I, I have I have lost where I'm at again. I'm sorry. Maybe I should not drink <laughs> as much when when I'm when I'm talking about these. <laughs> um, no, I think ultimately too, like our video games art ties back to what you think art is and what is art, and I think that's a whole separate episode, maybe yeah. even two. But I think ultimately, for me, art is something that evokes a response, right? Art is something that stirs you in a, in a way that you might not otherwise be stirred in your daily life, right? So it's, it's something extra, basically. It's just a little bit of extra on top. So, like, art is the chocolate syrup on your ice cream, mm-hmm. right? Or the sprinkles on your donut. It's like, it's a thing that you didn't know you needed until it's there. And then it just gives it that little extra something that makes it so much better. So I think I absolutely agree that video games are art. And I I don't think it's necessarily a very long conversation that we're having because we agree, but I think it would be fascinating to sit down with someone who didn't think they were and ask them to justify that perspective. Yeah, I think that that may be where we want to look at it next. I want to try to find somebody who has the opposite opinion about it. Yeah. I don't know if I have any friends like that, but we're going to figure that out for sure. I thought you were just going to say, I don't know if you have any friends. And I was like, oh, no, Aaron. <laughs> no, we actually have a guest coming in, in two weeks, June 11th. Beautiful. Um, is uh, one of our friends who actually I have a tech test to figure out if he can record with us right after this. So that'll be real exciting for everyone. Yeah, yeah it, it's just I, I, I really and we talked about this a little bit, too, in some of our earlier episodes, just sometimes it's hard for me and difficult um i don't want to say that it's just just because like i grew up in a time and i don't maybe this is a bad excuse and maybe that's exactly what that is but just like there were stipulations about playing games as being like a joke hobby right and mm-hmm. i i think some of that still carries over a little bit oh yeah yeah the stigma the stigma in nerd nerd culture in general is very real and you look at shows like uh, Big Bang Theory. And that that show for me really helped to like codify what cultural appropriation means because they had guys who were antisocial and awkward and clumsy and goofy. And, you know, they made them endearing, but it was like this 
the idea that they didn't know basically how to be human beings because they liked these things, right? right? And so they negatively reinforce this stereotype that exists where people who like nerdy things are not good at socializing. Um, And it's brutal because what winds up happening is those, those hobbies then become stigmatized. And what winds up happening is you get this negative feedback loop in place where people who pursue these hobbies like gaming, like Dungeons and Dragons, like, you know, comic books, to a lesser degree now because of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But these are things that were traditionally very antisocial things and hobbies that were looked down on by the broader culture because they were inherently antisocial. It's like, oh, you're going to go sit around with your friends in a basement. It's like, yeah, yeah. just like you're going to go do at a bar. Like, right. it's exactly the same thing. It is. And, and I think what's heartening for me is that I think um, even Game of Thrones and the popularization of mainstream fantasy consumption really helped to kind of move us away from that but you still get it so much and so what happens is you get these people who like those things and then they're shamed for liking those things whether at home or in public which makes them not want to share the things they love which means they keep to themselves which means they forget how to human which means when they try to human they're awkward about it which reinforces the negative stereotype and there we go and it's just endless there it is. Yeah. yeah and it's brutal and i hate it or- and <laughs> Like even the notion of like having to put up signs at anime conventions that say, you know, um, hygiene is sexy, right? Like this is stuff that health teachers should be teaching us in education, but they're not. And so you get a lot of people who are like, who never interact with other people. And then they go to this thing because they're excited and they wind up pushing a lot of people away because they haven't put in the bare minimum of effort to be socially approachable. But they don't know it's something they need to do because they don't socialize enough to know. Yeah. And I think it's, it, for me, it's heartbreaking. And that is. is very much a soapbox. Um, but I'm really tired of it because I mean, it's what just else like. what a podcast than a giant soapbox? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But in terms of hobbies, like video gaming and is as real a hobby as anything else. Yes. No, I absolutely agree. And I can tell you right now, I have had. I had just as deep connections with my video game characters as I've had with my movie characters and my book characters and my story characters. And sometimes more so because like what's so interesting about games, you cannot do anywhere else. You can do it in books, but it's a lesser degree. I think, no, I think it's a greater degree in books, but we can argue about the imagination later. Yeah. Um, because movies just, as we talked about, they present you with what is there and you can visualize it. In RPGs, I know what you do. I don't do this because I'm not good at it. But like, there are some people that legitimately spend the first five hours of their game just creating their character to, to look the way they want it to, which is amazing to me. It's just one of those things of like, you get to personalize this story to you um, to a like a huge degree. And I... And, Games that do that well are amazing, and games that do that poor, um, you can see it, and it's it's difficult. But with all kinds of forms of media like that, I don't know. It's just I just love that. I love the personalization of it. You know, it's just it just makes you. I don't know. It's amazing. I like it. I, I agree yeah. with everything you kind of said about it earlier, and and the stigmatism, and, and I still feel that for sure. And what's really interesting now, and I I was especially thinking about my partner when I was thinking about when you were talking about Game of Thrones is that like they love Game of Thrones yep. and they like The Witcher a lot and they like a lot of these like fantasy stories and then I, I look at them I'm just like and you like 
playing Animal Crossing for a couple hours and you play Sims for seven or eight hours a day. And like, I think you, I think you're like, I don't want to classify you as a nerd because that's not necessarily what I'm getting at. But like, I think you like these things that you genuinely put into this category that like you actually like, and you don't realize that this is the category you're into, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just one of those, like, yeah, I, I always bring it up to her and I'm like, you know, you played, I look at your Sims and since you, and since you bought the Sims and since I have played video games, you have played like 400 hours of the Sims and I have played, 150 hours of my various games and I bet you you do not consider yourself a gamer and you consider yourself me a gamer which is really weird you know and I think that is within the gaming community as well is we need to respect everybody who plays games and not just the people who play uh, Final Fantasy 7 and Last of Us and Mass Effect and like these big blockbuster games like let's appreciate the folks who just play The Sims and yep. just play Animal Crossing or the people <coughs> just play Star Wars Galaxy on their phone because yeah. maybe you don't have time for anything else, but you love games and this is the way you can do it. So I think within the gaming community, even itself, we have to fight that and, and fight the fact that like we do because because you've got a group of people who have been so socially ostracized that this is their last bastion. Right? Sure. And so when people people come along and try to tell them what is good or bad about it and try to take it away and, and, and want it for themselves, like it's it's it feels it feels like they're losing it can feel like you're losing the the thing that you loved to popular opinion. Yep. No, and I, I 100% understand that. Yeah. And, 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 it's, and it's sad. It, it, it sucks. And you know, that like, I'm a real gamer. You're not blah, blah, blah. That's nonsense. Um, but it's born. It's important to remember that it's usually born out of fear more than it is out of um, any sort of spitefulness or anything. Yeah. It's just going to take a while to, to, to change. And that's fine. We're going to progress forward through it. And uh, we will. So kind of um, one of the uh, questions that I did want to ask you about gaming specifically, and I thought about this a lot, is do you typically do you finish games whenever you play them? Like if you start one up, do you typically always try to finish it or do you just cut yourself off if you're not enjoying it? No, no, I finish games, especially if they're story games like there. I think there are some games that feel less like stories. And so sometimes I won't always finish those if they're just like. You know, like for the main campaign in a first person shooter game, for example, where right. it's like, here's 10 levels of you shooting AI computers. It's like, yep. not my kind that of doesn't, it's not always as compelling. Right. Uh, but yeah, usually I care enough about a story that I want to see how it ends. Yeah. I, I, I've had a, I, I think that's one of those things where I think a broader question is, is like, do you feel the need to like finish things to enjoy them? Um. But more specifically, to be like, I don't I, I I have that pull too, where like I want to finish a game if I bought and definitely part of it is I spent $60 on this. And so I want to think that I've put in the right amount of time to, yeah. to get what I want out of it, Um, which is just it's I don't know, man, I have a weird relationship with games. It's a it's a heart. I have a gigantic backlog. I love games, but I end up just playing NBA 2K20 the whole time, you know, like. You give me NBA 2K20 and an RPG for the whole year and I probably could be satisfied, (laughs) you know, like it's really weird, but I probably have over 150 games that I could download on my Xbox, you know, whether I've gotten them free or for like two or three dollars here and there, like digital sales kill you. I I am not looking forward to the next Steam sale. I have I've been able to recuse myself of that situation because I'm not going to have a PC. I can't now I'm going to be sucked into buying games I'm never going to play. I yeah. know I am. Well, it's always <laughs> it's always amazing too to know they're there and to like have those days where you know there's not a lot going on and you're 
your partner's taking a nap or whatever and you're like i feel like doing something and then you just you like let's try a new game and that's yeah. just a really special yeah. thing what was has there ever been a game that you tried you did not think you would like and you ended up loving um torchlight oh interesting i yeah. looked at trying to join their company when i moved back to the northwest yeah so i'm i'm a really big fan of um rpgs in general but i had never really tried there's a name for that type of rpg um i i saw something isometric maybe oh isometric it's top down it's a crpg essentially yeah. is what you're calling it it's a classic yeah. rpg where like Baldur's gate essentially yeah. like okay cool yeah. Mm, yeah yeah like like those um diablo those mm-hmm. games like and i had never thought i would like them enough and that game turned out to be delightful and there was like a fall day where I had nothing going on and I spent like three or four hours sitting there with a cup of hot cider and playing some torchlight. And I just was like, this is, I am playing a video game and having fun. And that was all I wanted. It was delightful. Yeah. Yep. Mine was, um, child of light, which is a, um, it's kind of a cross between a metrovania and a a JRPG. So you have random encounter turn-based battles, but set across a, um, kind of more of a metro style 2d plane versus like your top down isometrics like your zeldas or other most jrpg random encounters happen from top down mm-hmm. or they're in the 3d world this was like side scrolling jrpg mm-hmm. i never finished a, a turn-based game up until that and i used to be wholly against turn-based games and um i thought i would hate it and i ended up loving it i it's one of my it's like it's a probably one of my like top like 30 games i think like i really like child of light i thought it was great yeah so um excellent wonderful my movie's over by the way we have i think it's the very first time that my movie has ended within our conversation um <laughs> not that this is long that talks about how short that movie is that i started the movie as we started recording and it was like an hour and 20 minutes ago it's great mm-hmm. um well you know i kind of figured that the uh is art video games was going to be short which is why i front loaded it a little bit do you have anything I think else? that was very wise <laughs> do you have anything else you want to add honestly max and i could very easily sit down and serenade you with what we want to talk about video games over the next three to five to ten twenty days but we're not going to because not everybody listening to this loves games as much as I do. And probably everyone doesn't want to know the systems and intricacies of Monster Hunter World. You know, Correct. it's not necessarily important. Some of you may want to. And that's a separate thing. Email me, infinitepulp at podcast.com. That's not right. Flitz that. Switch it. Um, but uh, do you have anything else you want to add to just a general like I love video games celebration? I think is kind of what this is going to be end up being. <laughs> Um, I think really, I just want to point out that like, it's okay that if you do or don't like it, like, yeah. like what you like, like life yeah. is too short not to. Yes. Um, I was reading something the other day that says the people, a lot of times, a lot of folks who say life is too short, put themselves in situations that will make their lives shorter. Um, which is wonderful to me. And I thought that was really great. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really sincerely think that, uh, and and I, I think I would I would like to just, you know, if you if you think you have if you don't like it and you've never tried it before, talk to somebody who you know that may like it and see if they have any recommendations for you because you know what if somebody's plugged into the gaming world they probably understand. They probably have a greater like a big understanding of the type of games that are available to you and something they're like oh you know what 
I think you may like this one. Like I have a buddy who's really into food. I kind of want to play Overcooked with him because I think it'd be fun to try to work together <laughs> and play with him. Um, and I think there's, like I said earlier, I, I sincerely believe there's something out there for everybody if that's something you want to do. Like Max said, if it's not something you're interested in, don't worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. Do the things you like and go for it. But if it's something you may want to dabble into, like honestly, podcast at infinitepulp.com, email us. We will absolutely give you recommendations on things that are free to play and things that you think you may want to enjoy. Now that this has been a commercial for video games, I am signing off. Um, <laughs> I just had to get in there. I wanted to wait about 15 episodes or so to do my commercial for video games, you know, just to make sure that we have other content as well, but we would like to do this. Um, but uh, yeah, I love it. I'm going to be playing games as soon as I get off here. I, I'm going <laughs> to start playing some NBA 2K20. And then when my buddy contacts me, I'm going to start into uh, Sea of Thieves today. Um, Max, do you have things that you want to uh, have people find you at? I'm at the social medias at Max Baron Reed. So Max Baron Reed at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook as Max Baron Reed. I'm on Twitter and I'm on YouTube and I'm on Instagram, all mm -hmm. as some variation of Max Baron Reed. So Excellent. just type that in. You should be able to find me. Speaking of that, you can email the podcast at infinitepulp at podcast.com. I'm never going to get that right ever. <laughs> it is podcast at infinitepulp.com. But if you want to send me an email directly um, or Max, he just gave you his. You can hit me up at um, strudel18, S-T-R-U-D-E-L 18 at hotmail.com. And that Beautiful. is my one thing for today. And uh, you have a great rest of your day. It is 90 degrees outside right now in Oregon. And I really want to turn my AC on again. So I'm going to say goodbye <laughs> so I can start <laughs> feeling warm, uh, cold again. Um, and have a great rest of your day. Yeah. You take care, everybody. Thanks a lot.